Welcome back to the Next Level Podcast. Uh, today, I'm really excited to have uh, two unique guests on the podcast. This is unique for me because I know both of our guests very well. Uh, Sarah Schuster, who is the wife of John Schuster, Olympic gold medalist in curling, and Rachel Mooney, who is married to maybe the most successful guy on the planet. Um, I'm sure you recognize the last name. My wife, Rachel Mooney. <laughs> Thanks for the loud laughter on that one, both of you. Um, and with that, <laughs> let's, uh, let's get into it. First of all, thank you guys both so much for, for being on the show. Uh, Rach, I know obviously you've been very busy. We've been busy, uh, with three little ones, uh, an 11 month old. Uh, we had a, a nine year old birthday last week that we were celebrating. Uh, Sarah, you've been busy. You just literally got back into town from Park City, uh, or was it Salt Lake? It was Utah somewhere. Park right? City, yeah. yeah. Um, so thanks for taking some time out, uh, you know, just from your busy schedules, uh, to, to be here today. Of course. Yeah. Um, okay. So the reason that I wanted to have you both on the podcast and, and obviously we've talked about this reason, but I want to share just with the folks listening, uh, really, you know, it comes down to, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, was just thinking about, so Sarah is, is a, a neighbor here in, in the neighborhood. Um, and, uh, Sarah and John and their kids were quarantining. Uh, in preparation for the Olympics to make sure that, that John didn't come down with COVID before he left. Uh, so they took a couple weeks out to quarantine at their house. And I thought, man, what a sacrifice for John to do that. He's sacrificing practice and all that. But what a sacrifice for you, Sarah, and for the kids uh, to, to do that. And I got the sense that you never thought twice about it. But it just, it really stuck with me that that idea of sacrifice for you know, sort of the, the family uh, unit. And it really stuck with me because it, it just reminded me of a lot of the sacrifice that my wife and kids make on a daily basis. And so that's, you know, I wanted to just kind of pick your brains about, you know, just kind of the all-in method of family behind folks that are in sort of a high-performance environment, whether that be as an athlete, as a coach, uh, you know, maybe in, a, in another realm as a business owner, whatever it might be. But again, just that all-in mentality from the family. So without me talking too much about it, I just kind of wanted to maybe start out by asking, what, like just in general, what are your thoughts about this whole gig as you know the head of a household that is being shared by somebody that's in a, in a high-performance environment? Well, in my case, it's a little interesting because our – all in moments happen about every four years. I mean, they certainly happen on a smaller level every year for nationals and world competitions, but every four years is when we really do these big all in moments. So the nice thing about it is it's, it's kind of easy to do all in when you know there's an end to it and a beginning. Um, this time our beginning had to be a lot sooner with COVID and having to try to get into the mental headspace of competing with new parameters. You know, we had all the, these new things going on that impacted competition. So we definitely had some different challenges this year, but it it's not that hard to go all in surrounding big competitions. And then, you know, we, we still treat it very seriously leading up to it, but we have some downtime in the regular season where he's around and being dad. Rach, same question. So, I mean, it's a lot different, I think, for me, because for me, it's, you know, every single year, and it's not just the season, where I think 
um, there's a misconception that, oh, you're the soccer coach's wife and you're going to be kind of taking on everything for, you know, August through end of November. And then kind of life goes back to normal. But we have times where you're not as busy. But I think what a lot of people don't realize is how much travel you do outside of the season of, you know, going to the games during like indoor games to recruit kids and helping out and coaching at tournaments for indoor games and then into the summer going to week-long camps where I'm home then with the girls and taking on the household and kind of keeping everything running smoothly at home so yeah okay so maybe my next question just to really like dive into it would be uh you know if you could if you could go back in time you know, to the start of your relationship with, you know, with the folks in, in, in your realms here and get them to maybe pursue more of a nine to five gig. <laughs> Do you think, would it be easier at times? Does that thought come into your mind ever? Um, and I guess, you know, the question would be like, what would you be doing as a family if it wasn't, you know, revolving at least in, in part around these different sports? I guess in my mind, this, so with John, he, I have kind of a long span with him here because we have pre-children and post-children. So pre-children, I guess it didn't really matter what he did because, um, you know, he was doing his thing. I was doing my thing. Post-children, he is a stay-at-home dad when he's home. So there were times where he has done nine to five gigs when he was an Olympic athlete under the Olympic employment program with Home Depot and with Dick Sporting Goods, uh, but I almost didn't enjoy when he was doing a nine to five because when he's not doing nine to five, he can be my little errand boy, and I can, <laughs> <laughs> I can make him do all the little things for me when he's home. So yes, I make a lot of these sacrifices for him um, very greatly during competition season, but when he's home, uh, he definitely makes up for it in terms of all of the things he does for me. So. And I'm sure when John listens to this, he'll love the term little errand boy. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rachel, do you ever feel like you have a little errand boy at home? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel great about that answer and, and, you know, a little bit, uh, well, we'll just, I'll just say I, I feel great about that answer. So, all right. So, Sarah, going back to it, you, you mentioned the, the pre-children and post-children. And I think this is something for me, as somebody in, in a high-performance field, that I felt a lot too. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm sure like the three of us could kind of just, I'm sure there were a lot of shared feelings there. Uh, and I'm sure John would, would probably, you know, uh, get in on this as well. For me, in terms of the travel piece of it, pre-children, you're right. Like I, I felt like I could go anywhere. Like, you know, my feeling on it always was if I'm gone for three days a week, you know, nine days at a time, I'll come back. I'm going to miss my wife. You know, I'm going to miss out on some times that we could have had together during that, um, you know, and going out with friends or finding activities, whatever. I'm going to miss all that. But when I come home, my wife is the same person, you know, over the course of nine days, even she doesn't change at all. You think about it, you know, a kid, especially a young kid, you know, uh, a toddler, a one-year-old, you know, you come home and, a 12 or an 18 month old kid after three days is a completely different person. You know, they, they may be doing different things. They may, you know, you may have left, they're not walking, you get back, they've taken their first steps. You know, 
Their hair may have changed colors. They may be taller. They may be saying different words. It's a, it's a different person three days. They're developing that fast. And so where I really felt the pull post-children was that, that any amount of time that I'm leaving, I feel like I'm missing out. And I'm going to come back to somebody that has changed and has developed and I've missed out on, on important steps there. And so that was a pull for me. And I'm curious, you know, do you feel that same pull in, in any kind of way? You know, I would 100% say John does feel that pull. Yes. And I remember back to when I had the C-section with Logan, my second child, uh, we had to stay in the hospital for three days because of the C-section. And he was leaving the next morning after we got home to go up to Canada to a Grand Slam. And Grand Slams are huge. They're the top 15 teams in the world. You are honored to be invited to them when you can break into the top 15 in the world. And it's not something you really want to miss. And so we we knew the due date. It was a planned C-section and it was something we knew all along. He was going to be going to the day after we got home from the hospital. Uh, but I think, you know, the, the kid is not going to remember that you weren't there. And especially for that particular moment, it was baby babies. They just need their moms. So um, I think. I guess it's nice that it's the the man that's leaving because a lot of these young, young children do just really need their moms. But I know he really has tugs on the heartstrings when he has to leave and miss those sorts of things. Um, so we're really good with FaceTime and videos and staying really connected. And that's one of the things I try to always, always do when he's competing away is send him videos of things that we're doing, send him pictures at the Children's Museum, send him pictures at the aquarium, send him pictures with my best friend, Rachel, having a <laughs> cocktail so he knows that I'm having a good time, you know, and that um, our kids are having a good time. And although we miss him deeply, we're still happy. Yeah. Rachel, did you feel that? Yeah, I was just thinking as she was saying all those things of, oh, I've done all of those things for you. And mm-hmm. even just like thinking back from when Alexa was little and seeing like memories pop up of, you know, videos of her saying good morning to you and sending those to you and, you know, just pictures of things we're doing throughout the day to kind of not necessarily make you feel like you're missing out, but kind of keep you up to date and like know that we miss you, but we're still, you know, having fun and um, still kind of supporting you from afar. Well, and I don't want to speak for John, but obviously I'm going to have to because he's <laughs> off doing something pretty incredible right now. He's at his fifth Olympics, um, and and obviously he's you know at the time of this recording getting ready for his first competition in Beijing uh, tomorrow morning at, at six o'clock our time, uh, local time here. Um, so again, I don't want to speak for him, but but we're kind of in a position where I'm going to have to. You know, I, I always think of, of some of those moments where it, it really does like, as the person traveling, the person away. It, it really does change your day, you know, to, to wake up and have that video of your, your kids saying good morning to you. And it really does. It, it tugs at your heart hard that it's like, man, I wish I was there. You know, I wish I could be there, you know, to be a part of that. And so there is a moment of kind of like almost sadness or grieving the fact that you're not there. But then it's like there's a, a huge appreciation and gratitude just to, to be connected, to feel connected. Technology is such a huge help in that. But having somebody at home who understands how important that is and how, um, you know, just heartwarming it really is to feel like you're staying connected it is really special, I think. And, I, and again, I think John would agree. So, um, all right. So I want to talk a little bit about kind of the whole family unit because it really is all in. And I think obviously, you know, at the forefront of that is is the spouse, right? It's is the partner in all this. 
Um, but there are, you know, and we were just talking before we started recording, kids are involved, you know, parents are involved, neighbors are involved, you know, can you maybe just highlight a little bit of just the kind of the surrounding network that it takes to, to have somebody that is pursuing things at a high level? Yeah, I, I mean, I could never do this truthfully without my support system. So, you know, I'm John said that I'm his rock on occasions and that I keep him together. But it's there's somebody that needs to keep me together when he's gone, too. And I'm very, very fortunate to have his mother-in-law, first of all. So well, my mother-in-law, sorry, his mom, Jackie Schuster, Anytime he leaves, she pretty much comes and lives with me. So I still have a full-time job when he's gone because that's kind of how we've chosen to operate as a family is I have a full-time job. Can I just give Jackie a quick shout out? Yes, I mean, please. The, the that, like our whole neighborhood knows her so well. It's not like she just comes over and watches the kids. It's like she has really ingrained herself in, you know, in the life of those boys and in your life and that, that surrounding network that you're talking about. I mean, I feel like Jackie is part of the neighborhood, you know, uh, we went to just stop by the swim event, you know, your boys, obviously shout out Luke and Logan. They made it to state in, in swimming. <laughs> we went over and watched it and, and there's, you know, Jackie in the stands and it was just kind of like, here's this, you know, part of the family. Um, and obviously, you know, she's a part of your family, but I feel like she's a part of ours as well, you know, like, just because she's so go ahead, Rich. Yeah. With having all the whole entire neighborhood to their house this summer and like, just like she really is part of like our neighborhood and our family. Yeah. yeah. And you know, the thing I love about Jackie is that she doesn't make you feel like she has to do it. Mm-hmm. She wants to do it. Like she truly wants to do it. And she wants to be there for, you know, not just John, but for her grandkids and for me and for the neighborhood kids too, because she loves everybody like family. Um, so it's easy to have her around because she genuinely wants to be there. And I, it's the level of commitment she has is really, truly amazing. I can't even say enough about that. So I'm, I'm grateful. I could never do what I do without Jackie. And that is a guaranteed, you know, sometimes I think, well, maybe I could do it without Jackie if she decided she didn't want to help that much or if she had other things. And every once in a while, you know, on our calendar, Jackie's purple. So we know when she's got other obligations, like when she goes down to the cities to help with our nieces and nephews or our nieces. <laughs> we don't have nephews down there, but she'll go down there sometimes to help with them. And then I kind of do rely on my neighbors. So <laughs> I'm really lucky that your wife, Joe, Rachel, my best friend is also super mom and knows what I'm going through because I do ask a lot of her and Oftentimes I don't even have to ask. She, well, I never ask. I don't like to ask favors, to be honest. And I sometimes turn people down on their favors or feel like I'm, uh, I don't want to be a burden to anybody. So I know even Rach offered to take my dog so I could go to an opening or a ceremony party thing, watch party down in the cities in next week. And I was like, oh, I can try to figure it out because I don't like to take help from people, but she makes me take her help all the time, and I'm really appreciative of that. So oh, I, they were watching their dogs this weekend. <laughs> <Good> <laughs> Surprise! <Yeah. laughs> well, and I really do think, you know, so, I mean, really, you guys have gotten to know each other now for, it's, it's only been four years. You know, I look back, it was when Alexa and Luke, uh, our, you know, six-year-olds at the time, or even five-year-olds at the time, were kindergarten classmates is really when we kind of all got to know each other 
and to see how quickly your friendship grew was really, you know, it was just fun to watch from the outside. And again, I'm sure John would, would say the same and noticed it too, you know, to, to really become that close so quickly. And I do think that a big part of that is, you know, sort of that, that shared um, sort of empathy for each other's situation that you, you both know what it's like to be in this family environment. That's maybe not as traditional that there, you know, there will be times where, you know, husband's going to be gone for a while, or, you know, there's a, there's a passion that they're following that isn't necessarily a shared passion. I mean, obviously you both, I think are very supportive and there is an enjoyment and a, you know, um, an excitement about, you know, what your husband's doing, but I think it's different in when you're sort of the, the one chasing it. So to be on sort of the outside of that and just kind of understand how each other feels about that, I think probably helped with that friendship. You know, just you kind of knew what each other was going through. Is that fair? I think that's incredibly fair. And we, you know, we go on walks down by the lake together and we do the girl thing that girls do. And we talk about our husbands, <laughs> which we would never talk about on a podcast. These are the things you viewers aren't going to get to hear, but um, you know, we keep each other sane because we do know what we're going through and it definitely helped make this friendship develop quickly. Our kids are the exact same age. Our husbands are very similar. We're both in healthcare. I mean, we, we literally do everything the same pretty much. So, um, it's, it's been really nice. And Rachel truly is super mom in terms of, she always knows when the dress up days for school are, what we're supposed to pack for, this or that field trip when this is due and that's due and when to sign up for this sport and that sport. And I'm, I am not that because John is my stay at home dad, but then he's gone and my world falls apart and Rachel picks up those pieces and I'm, you know, Jackie, she does everything when John's gone, but she doesn't get the school emails. So I rely on Rachel for a lot of that. So, I mean, it, we have a lot in common to talk about when we're together and we have very common interests. So it's, it's easy. Yeah. I, we just, we have very, I think similar lives and because of our husband's career choices, I think we can even relate more so to what's going on inside our family than um, other people that maybe don't have husbands that are in some type of like high level athletic profession um, so it makes it easy to be able to kind of lean on each other when we are feeling kind of that stress and that pull of when things are really busy with our husbands and a lot more is falling on our shoulders. And I think we're both really good at picking that up from each other without having to tell each other. And so then like, I know there have been times where we're like, Hey, let's go for a walk. Like, <laughs> like, and it's either I need to talk or she needs to talk, but we each know and it just made our relationship become close um, really fast to the point where we have friends that are like, how long have you, have you guys known each other for a really long time? Like, you just seem really close. And I think that really truly is why. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, just as an example of, of how chaotic that life can be at times, I think even just honestly trying to get this podcast recorded, you know, was chaotic because <laughs> I, I'll just put it out there. I mean, so, you know, obviously Sarah... John's gone right now. Uh, you've got Jackie helping out. Um, you're back to work, and but also trying to like find times to make sure that you're able to watch. You know the the curling matches coming up and, and all that, and you're just back from parks. I mean, it's, it's like it's wild, right? And on the you know on the other end too, you know, Rach, like obviously we've got three kids. We're still you know in that first year stage with our littlest one. 
uh, you know, so she's upstairs sleeping right now. Uh, our incredible sister-in-law Hadley is over helping out. And, you know, when you talk about that team, I mean, it, it doesn't happen without folks like that and how, you know, just incredibly lucky we are to, to have folks like that in our lives. But, you know, our girls are over at Schuster's house right now, hanging out with Jackie <laughs> so that we could just get the three of us in a room together. And even that took, you know, a week and a half of planning just to kind of coordinate all of that. Uh, and I think, again, it's just kind of a microcosm of how chaotic it can be to schedule things, you know, just in, in our lives. And I think, you know, growing up, you always, I always heard the saying, it takes a village to raise a child, right? And having kids of our own now, that really, that saying makes so much more sense to me because it really, truly does take a village of, you know, there are many times where we rely on Sarah and John or Ben and Hadley to help take our kids to school or pick them up or, you know, I'll be running late from work and you'll be at practice and I'll be calling or texting Sarah and John <laughs> going, can you grab my kids for yeah. me and vice versa? So yeah. it really truly does take a village. Or the other day I get a call from Rachel as I'm coming to school a couple minutes late to pick up my kids, <laughs> but I pull up next to her and she rolls down her window and I say, were you calling me to see if you needed to bring my kids home? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> You always have somebody's back, right? Yeah. Each other's back, which yeah. is, is very cool. Yeah. All right. Let's stay on the kids for a second because, again, like it, it does take the entire household to to help, you know. And it's, it, I don't ever want this to come across as like, woe is me. Like my job is hard or that I spend more hours than other people. I know that there are a lot of, of tougher jobs out there. There are jobs that require even more travel. There are jobs that require even longer hours than what I do or what John does. You know, so I, I don't want it to come across as like, you know, we're incredible in what we're doing. I think um, it, it, part of it is when you're trying to pursue something at a high level and there's that competition element, it's very easy to get blinded by that. You know, that it's it becomes all about the chase. And, I mean, for John to be pursuing something, literally trying to become, you know, the best in the world at what he does, you know, for myself, I'm trying to become the best, you know, at a national level, within our division at what we do, but it's not just me at the end of the day. It's not, you know, I don't care if my name is in the paper. I don't care if my name is on a trophy. It's not that at all. It's much more what kind of an experience am I giving the, the players that come to play for me? And so I always have that accountability. So it just, it keeps, I think, John and myself in different ways, very dialed in at times and to the point where it's easy for things outside of that pursuit to become somewhat blurry, Right. And I think that therein lies a lot of the challenge at times, you know, just within the household. So then I, I think about the kids and it's like, do they understand some of the sacrifice? Do they understand why, you know, John has to be away for a couple of weeks at a time at, at times for competition? Do, do our kids, Rach, understand why I have to be away, you know, to, to go and try to find players to come into my program? You know, so I'm gone for a week when I'm not even coaching. I'm out of season. Do they get that? And, you know, do they share in that passion? Do they lose out in the end? Or is it all worth it for the kids too? And, and are there rewards and benefits that the kids get out of it? So it's a really long way to pose that question, but I want to lay it out there for you guys to see what you think. Yeah, I I think that my kids, Luke, he is a driven, determined athlete. He is taking after his dad and he is soaking everything in right now, like everything. 
I don't know that he was doing that at the last Olympics. I think he kind of sort of was starting to understand it at the last Olympics. I mean, he's always been my kid that at three years old was yelling, give me a U, give me an S to the entire crowd in the world at world competitions and just laying his heart out there for everybody. So he has always been very invested in John's success and performance and he gets it. Can I give um, an example of that quick? Yeah, you know, yeah, just, go ahead. You know, watching American rock stars on, on Peacock. So quick plug, if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's awesome. Four, four episode series on Team Schuster, Team USA. It starts with them getting into the Olympics uh, in 2018 and the whole story of how that went down and really kind of ends with qualifying leading up to Beijing here in, in 2022 where they were in Omaha uh, in November, right? Yep, yep. Um, and there's a moment there in the last episode where they, they pan to Luke and he's doing the math and he's doing the, you know, sort of the strategy of he realizes that the opponent can't catch them. <laughs> yes. And he's, you know, and you can just see his mind working on okay, we've, we've really got this in the bag as long as we kind of take care of our business. And it's like, you see that competitive side and Luke does. He, he really wears, we were talking about this a little bit, the difference between Luke and Alexa, because they're both extremely competitive. I think Luke wears that competition on his sleeve. Alexa, for whatever reason, I think she actually kind of tries not to take on a lot of competitive things. And I think a lot of it has to do with neither one of them wants to lose. Right. Yes, and they're and very so, competitive with each other too. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> I can remember the first grade spelling test that they were oh taking. My it gosh. was like they both had to make sure that they were ten out of ten. If somebody was a nine out of ten, like it was like first of all, life or death. Aha, like I got ten out of ten, and the other one didn't. And then it was like, is the other one okay? Like yeah. what's going on? With you know what I mean? It was like right, right, thing, right, right. So, so I want to jump in, just give that as an example, because I, I do think it really is kind of an example that shows just how into it our kids really are. Yeah. I mean, they're always watching. And then, and then there's Logan. <laughs> He's six. And, you know, we're watching the opening ceremonies and the Today Show cameras are on us. And they're asking <laughs> us to look at these, at these different places. And I know that this is going to be the most emotional moment of my life, probably other than having children and probably getting married too. But, um, you know, I know that this is going to be the most emotional moment of my life. And Logan is doing his Logan things next to me. And I'm just, I literally had to whisper to him, please, Logan, this is going to be mom's best moment of her life. I need you to please not take this away from me. Like, please just, be quiet and listen and smile and stop doing what you're doing. And I had to kind of say that a few times and it wasn't USA hadn't walked out yet with the flag, but we were getting closer and closer. And I said, I, I wish that you understood exactly how big this is and, and how important this is for dad and for mom and for Nana and for everybody here, you know, cause he was, he was kind of ruining it for us for a minute or two there. And um, so he really doesn't understand. Yeah. And even after the whole thing, uh, the one gentleman dressed like Moana that was all oiled up came out with the flag at the opening ceremonies. And he says, is that dad? <laughs> I mean, so he really, truly doesn't understand. And I mean, he's a competitive little guy. You put him on the soccer field and he is slide tackling people. He will play with our soccer players that we host in the summer mm -hmm. that we we always try to host some of the Duluth FC semi kind of pro professional whatever football soccer team and um he plays with them in the yard and is always trying to 
be as good as they are. And so he's got the competitive edge, but I think he's just lacks maturity in what it all means. Sure. So he'll get there. <laughs> so I, I burst out laughing. Rachel and I were both laughing there when you started to tell that story about Logan because we were watching you guys in the living room as the Today Show was coming on, you know, and they were, and they yeah. showed Logan. They're basically, yeah. <laughs> hands hands on his face, like looking bored out just of his not, eyes. not about it at all. And we, as soon as you started telling that, it's like Rachel and I knew exactly where that was going because we, we both noticed that. And it is, it's so Logan, you know? Yeah, I had yeah. to bribe him with yeah. $20 worth of V-Bucks to watch it yeah. and like try to be excited about it. <laughs> like, and you know, he will look back at that and he will be so proud and he'll be so excited. But he just, he just totally doesn't get yeah. it right now. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, that's fine. I don't really want my six-year-old to feel like he needs to go to the Olympics at six years old, you know? Sure. So he'll he'll get it when he's ready to get it. And I would echo similar things with our girls. Uh, Alexa is very into going to the games and starting to actually sit down and watch the games and understanding them and knowing which players are out on the field and just getting very emotional and very into it. Um, when there's, you know, a high stakes game going on and you guys win and just being like running out and with, you know, tears running down her face. Kayla's there all about the snacks and being around the <laughs> nose, right? Like, there's a common thread yeah. here with the firstborn and then the secondborn, right? And yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's nice that we can talk about those sorts of things and we know exactly where each other are at. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was really a special moment this this fall. You know, we we won a, a conference championship. You know, the final. It was a great game. It was one to one. You know, we kind of thought it might go into penalties, uh, but right at the start of overtime, we were able to score, and, and it's a golden goal situation. So that's the end of the game. And Alexa was about to run out on the field and stopped because she wasn't sure if she could. And a couple of my former players were there at the gate. And they just said, Alexa, go. You know, like, they're, they're all, you know, her older brother. You know, they they all feel that, and she feels it. So she runs up to me, and, you know, big hug, and she just starts bawling. You know, she was so happy. It was, it was happy tears. And that I lost it at that point. You know, and it just, it was really a special one. And you're right. I think Luke and Alexa are both at that age right now where they get it. They, you know, Luke gets the strategy of it. He gets the emotion of it. Alexa was just swept up in the emotion of the game. And what it meant to to me, to her family, to to all of her buddies who are on the team, you know, what it meant to all those guys that she cares so much about. And I, it really did. It just kind of took her over emotionally. Um, so it's cool to see them get into it. So okay. what, you know, in terms of the, the rewards, like, again, like, I do think there is sacrifice on the part of the, the kids on the part of the, you know, the entire family. What what do you guys get out of this, and what do the kids get out of it, and others that are you know kind of key stakeholders out of this? You know, somebody else pursuing their passion. What are the residual rewards for everybody else involved? Yeah, you know, when John, he every single time he finishes a quad an Olympic cycle, we kind of have this discussion: should I keep going? You know, and I think you know you do question it sometimes, but at the same time whenever my answer is always the same, like, if you want to keep doing it, we should absolutely keep doing it because this is not your dream. This is our dream. And, you know, he, he always wants to just keep playing because he is still even right now at the top of his game. And it seems like he just keeps getting better and better. So I don't see stopping anytime in his future, but for me, 
there's tons of reward in him succeeding too. So it probably would be a completely different story if he wasn't succeeding. You know, if, if year after year we were trying for this goal and trying for this goal and making all these sacrifices and he wasn't winning, I think our conversation would be different. But it's an easy conversation to have because when he's winning, life is great, right? Sure. You get to go to the ESPY Awards and walk the red carpet in pretty dresses and yeah. you get to fly Delta One to Japan for 48 hours and go to the ANOC Awards and you get to go drop the puck at the Wild Game and throw out the pitches at the Twins Game and go to blow the Gallahorn at the Vikings Packers Game and you get to do all these incredible fun things, these charity events, these just once in a lifetime experiences, go to Park City and learn how to do biathlon and, you know, just all these things that you would never in a lifetime have the opportunity to do. And I am so grateful for travel opportunities that I don't have to wait till I'm retired to do that. I am so grateful to be able to bring my kids on these world experiences where they can meet people from different cultures, where they can learn different, different places and different people and just be engulfed in these different cultures and learn about different foods and learn about, you know, just learn. And curling is such a family sport, even across the world. You know, we have Matt Hamilton, the second on our team, the Swedish guys came to his wedding. I mean, it's like a very close niche sport where you're friends with people from all over the world in curling and your, your family, you feel for them. Our guys love them. They carry Swiss flags and Sweden flags when they're over there. The athletes hug them and pick them up and carry them around and run around with them on their backs. And they're meeting all of these different athletes from countries all around the world. And I think that's an experience that they're getting that I would never give up if I had, if I had the choice. Yeah. And then I think about other things that they're getting. I'll just give an example at Park City this week. I was out there and Olympic gold medalist John Neighbor from 1976 is there. And I'm showing him videos of my kids swimming he has a gold medal in the 100 freestyle. My kid's trying to break the 100 freestyle records. And he's giving me pointers. And he's giving me little gifts to bring home to him and taking pictures with me so I can show my kids. And it's like, when can you get that for your kids any other time? It's just this different lifestyle for us. So for me, the sacrifice, it's not even a sacrifice because the reward is so huge sometimes. So it's worth it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's not to say it doesn't get exhausting and it doesn't get hard, but is just always so rewarding at the end. Yeah. Now, I'm assuming that's this is a different story for you, Rach. Oh, like, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> the life of a, of a D3 soccer coach has not led to any any trips to, to Utah or uh, any other yeah, worldly no. destinations. Uh, I've offered to take you to Morris, Minnesota, you know, for a game or uh, to Dubuque, Iowa, but um, maybe yeah. not at the same level. No, not quite at the same level, but at the same time, like you and I have had – the conversation many times about, you know, is this something that you should continue to do? Is it what's best for our family? Because it does kind of pull you away from our family at times. It can be hard to have that really good work-life, you know, balance. But at the end of the day, we always come back to this is something that you're very passionate about and life is too short to do something that you're not passionate about. And we have seen the benefits of you coaching in our children where we obviously we have three girls we don't have any boys and our girls look up to your team like they are their brothers and you've worked really hard at creating a family within your team and that includes us within that team 
So you and I have talked about how it's actually really cool to see these, you know, 18 to 20 some year old, you know, young men interact with our kids and just like how they become like these big teddy bears to them. And they, the girls have come to a couple practices at times, especially in like preseason when I'm going back to work for the fall and, um, you know, they might not have camp to go to. So they've gotten to practices and enjoy just that interaction and kind of joking around with the guys on your team. And it just is really just cool to watch and to see all of that unfold. And then that trickles down to the family of your players too, Mm -hmm. right? Like how many, you know, letters, phone calls have we gotten from um, parents of your players while they're playing years after they've been done, um, just kind of those nice messages. How many weddings have we gone to? Right. Like, you know, usually you have a bunch of weddings to go to when you're in your 20s, and then it kind of trickles off as all your friends get married, but it's never trickled off for us because you've developed such great relationships with a lot of the players on your team and a lot of those families that it our, our extended family has, it just keeps growing more and more. And now officiated my first wedding. Yes. Shout out to Bucky and Raquel. Yeah. 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 Um, no, and I think... You know, you mentioned how how great it is for our kids to be around that. And, and, you know, I'm sure, Sarah, you feel the same way in terms of just some of the role models and, and some of the interactions that they've had with, you know, different people at a high level in sport and, and good people, right, that I think teach good values. So I think there's a, a huge component of that. I think the other cool thing that I've seen go the other way uh, in those interactions between the kids and the players has been how how beneficial I think it is for the players, you know, for them to see these kids and understand, Oh, that's right. Like I'm, I need to be a role model. I'm being watched by, you know, by kids that, that are very impressionable and kids that we care about. I mean, these are coaches, kids, and and they really do. These guys, they love our kids. They love our family. And so it's, it's really cool to see them. Like you said, 18 to 22 year olds who they could, I mean, I think of myself as a knucklehead 18 or 19 year old guy. And it's like, I wasn't thinking about kids. Like I was thinking about like, where's the best party going to be? You know what I mean? Like it's just <laughs> that sort of thing that these guys could be so infatuated with it. And they're not, they're, they're really just down to earth, good people who want to set that example. Um, and so to see them like really have to lock in when your kids are around and the kind of young men that they are. And then I think the other cool thing is to see their coach. And this is something that, you know, really kind of early on into fatherhood I kind of shied away from a little bit that I didn't necessarily want them to see the family side of me. I wanted to kind of compartmentalize it a little bit. And I realized, A, that's not good for me. And it really doesn't allow us as a family to reap some of those benefits of being a part of this whole thing. But I also think that it's really good for our players on the team to see that side of me, to not just see me as the coach, but to see me as the human, as the dad, as the husband. And hopefully, you know, I, I got a text message from one of my, my former players last week who he and his, his wife just had a, their first baby. And his message, in, in part of that message, had said, you know, thank you for always being a role model as a dad so I have somebody to, you know, to kind of look at, up to and, and somebody kind of, you know, use as a blueprint for my own skills as a father. And to that young man, I would say there are some things I could tell, so tell you not to do based <laughs> on my experiences. And I'm sure Rach could probably, you know, jump in on that as well. Uh, some things that she's seen from me as a dad that uh, maybe some don't do's, right? 
Um, but but in all seriousness, you know, I think that that it really does kind of go both ways there. Um, okay, so and, and one just real quick story on that. I, I got to jump in here. This kind of goes back to the whole worldly thing. So a couple years back, the guys came to read, a couple of my soccer players came to read to Luke and Alexa's, uh, I think it was first grade class, and it was yeah. Dr. Seuss week. We thought, oh, great, this is a great time. Like, we're going to volunteer. And sorry, what was that, Rachel? Is it second? Kindergarten. It was, it was, was it that long ago? Yeah, yeah it was. It was oh, my God. Yeah. Because yeah. first grade was pandemic modes. So. Yeah. What a blur. Okay, <laughs> so it was kindergarten, right? Uh, and a couple of our guys came to, to read books. And a couple of our domestic guys and then a couple of our international guys. And uh, it was, again, Dr. Seuss week. So they're reading these Dr. Seuss books to these kids. And Luke and Alexa had to help one of our Swedish players with the Dr. Seuss book. Because not like half the words are made up. He couldn't pronounce half the words in there. So here he comes this, you know, college senior to read these children's books to the kids. And the kids actually end up reading the books to them That's because so they couldn't pronounce half the words in the doctor. And, and of course we had a good time. We laughed about it. And, and uh, Felix, if you listen to this man, like I'm not poking fun, but, but I'm kinda, yeah. Okay. So you talk about a little bit, like a lot of the benefits when things are going well, there was a moment I think for, and I'm sure, you know, John felt this at times uh, that, and I felt it too, where things weren't going well, you know, in terms of uh, on a competitive level. Did you feel the same benefits there? Were, were there times where it was hard to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel and, and, you know, kind of see, are we moving towards something? Or, you know, is this dream going to end, you know, with a lot of input, but not much out of it? Yeah, I mean, certainly. We Before we ever had the success with the gold, we had 2010 and 2014. So those two years, you know, John didn't perform as he had wanted to. And he came out of the 2010 games. Well, actually both of them with an urban dictionary definition of Schuster, which meant to fail, to bear the weight of a nation's scorn to, I mean, every single, we read everything at that time. And well, I did, I I know he read some stuff too, and it was devastating. It, It did make you wonder if you should like why you were doing it or if you should quit or, you know, all of those emotions and things cross your mind and negative thoughts. And it's kind of like there were friends that we thought were great friends that all of a sudden sit behind a computer and say the nastiest things in the world. And it makes you trust relationships around you. It makes you question everything. And, you know, he he was always really positive with a lot of that and would tell me to get off social media because I was the one sitting there reading curling forums and mm-hmm writing up huge long replies to people. And I never would send them because I'm not that kind of, I don't want to draw any more negative attention one, but I felt all those things, you know, and, um, that was really, really, really hard, really hard. I don't even know how we did get past that. To be honest, I think you just keep playing for the love of the game (laughs) and you know, you got, it's, I don't know if it was for me at that point or, our psych was probably different as far as why to keep going. Maybe for me, it was like, he needs to redeem himself. I don't know. And that's why I felt like I needed to keep supporting him was like, I know he can do it. I know this isn't the end for him. I know, I know he can do it. And this isn't, that's not who he is. He's John Schuster. He's the best curler in the United States. Like he can't, and that can't be the end of his career. It can't be, you know? Um, So that's why and I guess those years are sort of a little bit blurry now after the gold medal because 
Now we had that to focus on, but you know, he's in Beijing right now. We don't know what the outcome of that's going to be, but one thing I know is that we've matured a lot. We don't read social media anymore, at least the negative things, you know, I'll delete comments if I don't like them or I'll, um, or, you know, we just won't read that part. And we just try to post positive things. I don't, I have not even gone on a curling forum in years and years and years. Curling didn't define him anymore. Like his success on the field or on the ice didn't define him anymore. His role as a dad defined him. His role in the life of these two little boys and in the eyes of his wife defined him Mm -hmm. and his fishing habits and his golf habits and his friendships with the neighborhood. And I mean, honestly, truly, you guys have played a huge part in the maturity of our journey and all of our friends that we've met since we've had children have just completely, I think, changed your mind as far as what your goals are and what not nothing's outcome driven anymore. Mm -hmm. It's I'm going to go to the Olympics. I'm going to represent my country and I'm going to do the best that I can possibly do. And I'm going to be proud that I'm representing my country. But if I don't make the podium, I'm still John Schuster. I'm still dad. I'm still neighbors to Mm -hmm. Rachel and Joe, who are some of my best friends. I still have Nick and Louise in the neighborhood. I still have all these friends. My mom still loves me. My dad still loves me. I'm my kids are proud of me, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that that is a huge change in, in everything as far as getting through those dark times. I think our kids had everything to do with that because yeah. it, it now the outcome doesn't define you. Yeah. So for me, it's a little bit different, I think, because, again, you have a season every year, right? Usually mm-hmm. every fall. And there are probably multiple times during the season where things might not be going as well as you're expecting. And a lot of times I feel like sometimes I have to talk you down a little bit because as I mentioned before, you're very <laughs> passionate about what you're, what you do. Right. I appreciate using that word now. I, I think you've, you've used the word dramatic at times, <laughs> <laughs> which is completely fair. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you're, you're just very passionate about what you do and you just, put your whole heart into it and that comes out sometimes as when things don't aren't going quite as you expect you know especially we usually see it a little bit at the beginning of the season almost every year where you've got new guys coming in guys that you know graduated and just trying to figure out that chemistry of the team and it doesn't always happen as smoothly as you had planned it or, you know, you're watching, you know, the guys play and you're like, oh, we're going to be great. And then you get out into the field and the chemistry just wasn't there yet. And every single fall, I feel like we have this conversation where I remind you, like, you you guys will, you, you'll figure it out. You guys just need to figure out how to play together again. And, you know, figure out how, you know, these new and new guys in and, you know, the other guys out, how that all fits together. And it'll, you know, just give it some time. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you find that kind of sweet spot where you start playing really well and then we'll see it again and things will be going really good. And then as it gets towards like the, you know, conference championship time and trying to get into the national tournament, that just high stress and the um, kind of what goes into that and just that mental capacity then that you have have to have for preparing your team for those games um, we'll see that kind of trickle down here where you don't necessarily have the mental capacity as for stuff at home. Mm-hmm. And 
So I have to be very good about picking up on that and knowing, okay, yep, I have to kind of make sure the girls give you your space or let you decompress if, you know, you had, even if it's a, a, a game where you win, but, you know, there was something that happened during the game that really made you upset, just giving you that space to decompress and figuring out that balance of, okay, when can I let the girls just kind of pretend nothing happened and kind of climb all over you and things like that. Yeah, and I, think, I mean, we've had conversations, too, where it's, you know, and this is, I think, uh, a big point of the, this whole episode that I wanted to get to was, you know, that this really, again, this really is a, a team uh, a, a team push, a, a team goal, um, and, and a team achievement. And, and the team really is the family and the support around, you know, around myself or around John. And, you know, what I hear both of you talking about is in those tough moments, it's, it's a matter of trying to figure out what does that person need, you know, and I would hope that that's reciprocated in, you know, in your tough moments as well. Right. But what I hear you saying is, you know, there are times where it's like, you know, I'm trying to figure out does, does he need, you know, just a little bit of space? Does he need that encouragement? Does he need to be, to, you know, be a little bit gruff with him and say, every year we talk about this every year, you know, I think of recruiting. It's like when I lose that big recruit, you know, he decides he's going to go, a different division or to a different school in our conference or whatever it might be. It's like, well, we're going to suck next year, right? Like that's just the, the, the initial thought, right? And then you remind me, like you say that every year. And then by the way, you know, next week, two or three uh, of your other recruits commit. And now all of a sudden you think you're going to go take on the world, right? And it's, it is, I think in those moments where you turn to those you care about most um, and those folks that you know are going to have your back. And obviously, you know, the, the two of you, um, you know, in, in your own relationships, you can just, you can hear it in the words that you're, you're saying. And, and, um, and I think the way that you just kind of portray those, those tough moments in your role in them, you know, I think is just so cool. Um, okay. So I wanted to bring this up, you know, this again, gets back to kind of the reason that I wanted to have this conversation, you know, and again, Sarah, I thought of you first and then I thought, well, man, if we're going to have this conversation, we, we got to have it with both of you, you know, because there are some of those similarities there uh, in, in just in the stories here. Um, but again, a, a, another plug for American Rockstars on, on Peacock and how good that was. You know, a couple quotes there that, you know, the last kind of 15 minutes of that series, you know, if you haven't seen it yet, like I got choked up, admittedly so. You know, Rachel, I know you felt some emotion. Sarah, I'm, I'm sure, you know, you were dry-eyed the whole time. and like, it really didn't hit you, right? I was ugly crying, actually. <laughs> um, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a moment there after, you know, after they, they win. Um, you know, the team wins, and they're going back to Beijing. And, you know, uh, it's, it, you can just see it strike each member of the team differently. And they all go over to, to the stands and, and kind of find their loved ones. And, and then they, they cut to a shot where John talks about just, you know, where a lot of that credit goes. And he says, uh, I have to give my credit, uh, sorry, I have to give my wife and kids incredible credit for what they did for me uh, during the trials. It really is that, uh, that quick reminder that it's not just about me and my team on the ice, that it's about the rest of us. And he's obviously talking about you, the boys, family, you know, all that. And then, and then they sh- go to a shot uh, of the two of you. And he says, you know, this last month, I guess, was worth it. Thank you. And he goes on and he, and he says a couple other things to you. And, and I'll just let folks watch in mm-hmm. on that, okay? Um, 
And then they, and they go back to him one more time. And he says, you know, the first thing I wanted to do is to thank Sarah, her sacrifices that she made for me and for continuing with this dream. And you can see him get choked up and emotional there. And he says, it was real, man. And in that moment, again, what made me so emotional was it's, he articulated it so well. Every time we've won a big game, we've won a championship, we've had that moment on the field. It's like my immediate thought was, this would have never happened if I didn't have the support around me, you know? And so I just thought it was such a cool moment there. And it was really what, what struck me, you know, and, and obviously it, I've shared that with Rach at times too. Um, can you guys just talk about that? Like in those moments where you see that success and you see it kind of all pay off, what do you feel in those moments? Do you feel, are you just happy for the person you care about? Do you feel a sense of accomplishment? Where does your mind go? Where does your heart go in those moments? I'd say both of those things. I 100% have a sense of accomplishment and some validation that like everything I did was helpful. You know, I am so lucky, so lucky that I have not been with him through a loss of an Olympic trials. Like I don't need, I don't even know how I would handle that really. And I'm just grateful that I haven't had to because it would be really hard. I mean, but it's, yeah, the thing I always do going into an Olympic trials is I think to myself, I don't ever want to regret anything and have a step away from this trials thinking, did I not do enough? Did I ask him to do too many things? Like, did I pressure him to do too much at home, too many dishes, too many air, errand boy things? You know, <laughs> did, I, did I make him do too much? Did I not give him enough time to practice? Did I not give him enough space? Did I say the wrong thing? Did I not give him enough encouragement? You know, I don't want to ever have any of those regrets. So my goal always, and I think what he was talking about with that last month was worth it. We made him go live at his parents' house in the garage so that he wasn't near us um, in order to accidentally get COVID and not be able to compete. And we did that for both mixed doubles and men's trials. And then the couple weeks in between, um, and he was driving back and forth to, you know, the Eveleth Curling Club to practice because we didn't have ice in Duluth. He was staying at his parents' house up on the Iron Range. And then, um, you know, family is so important to him, like mm-hmm. so important to him. So we made sure to do things like carve pumpkins outside on the deck at home. He'd come, he'd drive from Eveleth after practice and we'd hike up Ely's Peak and go to the top with the dogs and spend some time up there. But we did outdoor things that were safe where he couldn't, you know, he couldn't accidentally come down with COVID and not be able to compete. And I know like, again, it takes a village and our neighbors and our friends and our family are so an incredible part of that. Like they all came over for his birthday with, you know, he didn't know that they were coming and you guys and the services, everybody came over with cupcakes and pictures and happy birthday cards and stuff outside. And we had cake better than church cake on the deck. That's what his mom calls it. But um, so <laughs> that's his favorite cake. But, uh, so it really like we did things that made him feel like he was still involved in the family. And had we not done those things, he would have been feeling guilty up there that he wasn't being involved in the family. He mm-hmm. wouldn't have, again, been in the right mindset. So we're always just trying to do everything that we can to put him in the right mindset. And again, I'm grateful that He's always one because then it is just this huge validation that you did your part and it just makes it all worth it. And, you know, I would 
there have been times where it's been kind of sketchy if he was going to win or not. And you're still incredibly proud of all the work that you've done. But I just know for me getting through it, I don't want to ever have that thought. Like, could I have done something more? And that's it. When I hear you say that, Sarah, like my mind immediately goes to, that's a true teammate mentality. I want to do everything I can to put us as a team in the best position possible. And that's, I just think it's so well said on your part. Yeah. Ray, you have anything to add? So uh, I think it's always a little bittersweet for me. So when you were getting towards the end of the season and you win that championship and go on to the next game, like I'm so excited for you and the team. And it's really cool to see how proud and excited our girls are of mm-hmm. your, you and your team. But that also means that, okay, we're doing this a little bit longer, <laughs> right? So, like, yeah, we have kind of ups and downs throughout the year of your busy times. But from August through the end of November and, you know, could go into the beginning of December, depending on how far you make it, it, it it's hard. And I, um, so Coach Allison's dad this fall had asked, you know, what's it like being, you know, a, a coach's wife? Like, what does it feel like during mm-hmm. the season? And so the best way I can describe it is it kind of feels like you're a single mom, but now instead of having three kids to take care of, you have this grown man child who leaves a trail everywhere he goes, and you never really know when he's going to come and go and what his schedule is going to be like because your practices are all over the place. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like it's bittersweet when you win at the end and yeah. have that like huge win and get to move on because I'm so excited and happy for you and happy to see like that excitement. Um, for you and your team, but it just means that, okay, we're just, we're going to keep trucking along just a little bit longer. (laughs) Well, you know, and I've said this before, you know, just in, in jest that, you know, really from an economical standpoint, when you think about college athletics, the, the best way to ensure your highest sort of hourly wage is to lose before playoffs hit. Like once you get into playoffs and the more playoff games you make, the more you keep winning, the more your hourly wage really goes down because you're just in season and you've got those, you know, that many more dedicated hours then. Uh, so it just, like I said, it caused your wage to go down. So it's good to hear that you feel that too. We're on the same page and um, <laughs> I, I don't have an answer for you, Rach. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> okay. So, you know, we're, we're kind of getting to the point where we got to wrap up here, but there's two things that I wanted to hit on before we did. And the first thing I wanted to get back to, you know, the the term you used earlier uh, when we were when you were talking about some of those lean years, Sarah, with John, uh, in the term you know to Schuster or Schustering came up, and it was such a cool moment because we were watching again you know on Peacock the the American Rockstars they talk about that and I, I forget if it was 2010 or 2014 where you know it was basically like they finished dead last and it was like there's that word Schustering and the scowl on Alexa's face and the, the folded arms and the, like, she wanted to get even. Like, like <laughs> she, wanted, she wanted names of people that use this word, right? And so we're watching and, you know, what, what does shoestring really mean? And she wanted to know and she was, you know, so we Don't were Don't have her it, look right? it up, okay? That's not some nice word. I'm sure. <laughs> Alexa also can handle tough words. Uh, that's, we do have, you know, sort of soccer season vocabulary that she's not allowed to bring to school or anywhere else. Um, she's, yeah, we won't get into that, but, um, the, the term shoestring, I mean, like I said, she was, she was furious about that. And, you know, then as the, as the show kind of kept going on 
and they, they have that success, uh, you know, I said, okay, so now that you've seen the whole show, what do you think shoestring means? And her response was try, fail, fix, which is something we use in our household. You Can know, I it's our process. for one second? Go ahead. Okay. So I actually wanted to say this earlier that you were talking about what our kids get out of this experience. And one thing about Rachel and I being best friends, and I think my husband being an elite athlete and her husband, you being a coach that of high caliber is that my kids get such great coaching from you. I mean, you've used that phrase with my kids, try, fail, fix. And I feel like my kids get this coaching from you in life skills that they don't get from hanging around any other parent, any other friends, parents that of ours. And I, we've talked about how we love when our children hang around Joe Mooney so much because of the perspective he brings to helping them get through losses because being a dad as an Olympian, they think that they can do anything and win anything and that they're going to go to the Olympics and everything. And you actually have been a big help in our family as far as getting our children through some of the loss mentality. And I think the competitiveness between our children and then having you there to help is actually something that's really been great for us. And then I think vice versa, it's fun that your kids get to see in Olympic, like elect, Rachel texted me after the opening ceremonies and said that made Alexa's birthday to be involved in that. Yeah. And I mean, I just she, think she has to be on national TV, <laughs> you know, like how cool is that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fun. So thank you. And for I that. want you to go on with your tri fail fix because <laughs> no, but I, I just wanted that. to mention yeah. that. Like, I think it's just this great relationship all the way around. Well, and as you were saying that, Sarah, I could just kind of see Rachel's wheels turning a little bit. And I'm, I'm sure Rachel, you were thinking like, yeah, well, you should see Joe behind the scenes when he loses a game. And like, <laughs> does he really go to that that process first, well, or does it take him a minute to get there, right? And I think Alexa has come back and said, it's okay, Dad. Remember, try, fail, fix. She like, has. And you hear that from your kid, and man, it's it's really bittersweet. It Because in the moment, it's like, okay, the eight-year-old has more perspective than I do, right? But they learned it from you. <laughs> but yeah, they, you know, and to see her, it's like, she really latched onto that. And, and how cool is that? So we don't have to go, you know, much further than that, but I just, I thought it was such a cool moment that she saw John and like, it wasn't so much about, you know, again, there was that, that fury there in how dare you talk about my friend John that way uh, and my role model, you know, but then to see it turn out be, and because he fixed it, you know, he went through it. And, and when things were hard, he didn't quit. He didn't give up, you know, he didn't mail it in. He did something about it. And and to see the whole connection come through for her, again, it was just such a cool moment and something, again, when we get back to exactly what you said, Sarah, the things our kids get out of being around just all these folks, that, you know, and again, not just their parents, but others in sort of that, that high performance mentality. It really is, you know, I think an experience that not every kid gets, right? Um the last thing I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, and, and that's what makes it easy to keep going, to be honest. It's like if it doesn't seem like it's negatively impacting your children, I mean, yeah, it's hard to have your dad be away for a while and it's hard to have your husband be away for a while, but when the reward is so much greater in life skills, I and it's just so much worth it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the last thing that I wanted to jump into was and I brought this up on this podcast before, we've talked about it a little bit. I kind of have this thought of like three buckets, right? So in terms of like, I think of them as energy buckets. Okay. And so for me, I think of, I've got my work bucket, you know, there's coaching and I need to, I need to keep pouring into that. If, if we're going to perform at a high level, 
my family bucket that I, you know, need to pay attention to and need to give energy there, you know, be there for my kids, be a good husband, you know, my, you know, my family home, our neighborhood, all that, right? And then there's the self bucket. And what I think I've, I've learned, and it's, man, it's taken me way too long to learn this is like, a lot of times, I think we go to, well, we can let the self bucket drain, because, you know, we're all, I think, you know, the, the folks in this room right now are very selfless people. And so it's like, we'll let the, the self bucket drain, in order to keep the work bucket or the, the high performance bucket up and the family bucket up. And really that it never works because if that self bucket drains to the point where it's empty, how do you have any energy to keep the other two buckets filled? Right. And so I'd love to just maybe catch your perspective first on, do you see those self buckets, you know, in John or myself draining? What are the signs there? And you don't have to go into too much detail. All right. Um, But just curious if, if you see that and do you help, you know, help them recognize it. And then I would love to hear more about your own kind of three bucket system and what that looks like. And do you ever feel that self bucket drain? And what do you do to help that, you know, rise again? How do you, how do you help pour into that self bucket? And do you lean on anybody to help with that? So I'll leave it at that and go ahead. You go first. So I can speak to this because we've talked about this a lot. So um, I can tell when your self bucket is draining because you're tired, crabby, like you just, you need to do something that is not related to work, but is something that you truly enjoy. And I think something that you've been able to identify that really helps fill your self bucket is just being able to spend that time out in the woods. And so during the season, it's harder for you to spend that time out in the woods. But I would say um, these past two years, we have, you've gotten better at recognizing that and I've gotten, and I've gotten better at helping you recognize that. So anytime, and it's usually on a Sunday when you don't have a game, we're headed down to Spooner and spending the day in Spooner so you can spend that time out in the woods to fulfill that, that south bucket. Um, so I got to gotta jump in and ask, and we don't have to turn this into a big Dr. Phil moment, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I want to ask, like, how hard is it in that moment then? And Sarah, like, I would love to hear your perspective too. How hard is it in that moment where it's like, man, like I could really use some help filling up that family bucket. I'm, I'm talking, you're saying that, you're feeling that, but I know Joe needs that self bucket too, or John needs that self bucket. Like in those moments, how, like. Well, yeah, and I think, you know, Sarah and I have had these conversations where I'm like, you know, I feel like we've gone, you know, down to Spinner every weekend. It'd be really nice just to spend the entire weekend at home and just relax. But at the same time, um, I know that if we don't, you know, do something to help you kind of decompress and fulfill that self bucket, then we're not going to sit at home and relax, that you're going to be on edge and it's going to be kind of walking on eggshells around you. So by us going down there, we'll, we're fulfilling a little bit of both, but maybe not 100% to the extent that I would prefer that particular day mm-hmm. um, where we get that family time where we get to spend time in the car, play games in the car with the girls, um, you know, you know the ABC game and just having that conversation, just you and me, especially if we're coming back a little bit later. And then just getting to spend time then with your family while you're out in the woods and have meals together um, so that does fulfill that family bucket a little bit. 
Um, as far as how do I fulfill my self bucket or my buckets, I would say that um, my self bucket is neglected probably a lot because so much of the responsibilities, especially during the season, fall on my shoulders. So, you know, I'm the one taking care of the kids and the house and the bills and the dog and then trying to do my work. And since I made the switch to nursing education, my busy time of the year also happens to be when your busy time of the year is. So that self bucket for me gets kind of thrown to the wayside, usually until like 12 weeks into the semester when I can breathe a little bit. And then I start to go, okay, I need to go for a workout or like Sarah's really good at too, like, you know, saying, okay, let's go work out. And we try to help keep each other accountable. But for me, it's usually working out, going for that walk, doing something where I don't have a kid on me. I can kind of just like free my headspace a little bit. Yeah. Well, when your bucket is empty, then mine is too. No, actually my bucket's totally full at the moment. <laughs> but I'll say when your season is busy, Joe, my bucket gets empty because she's doing all that stuff and then she can't do that stuff with me. <laughs> no, well, and actually this truly is so our buckets go well together because we have kids that are the same age. And so we can let our kids entertain themselves while we do a workout together yep. sometimes. And yeah. so have a drink there or... was like a, a period of time pre-baby yes. <laughs> um, where we were, our buckets, I feel like we're pretty darn full. Yeah. Um, and then the Olympic season came and, and babies no, happened and, you know, so. So what I hear I you say like... is this is not your husband <laughs> draining your bucket. This is the baby. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I think it's a combination of, of busy seasons and, you know, that sort of thing. And then pandemic making things a lot harder to hang out with your friends especially when you're trying to make sure that your husband doesn't get something that's going to prevent him from competing um so I think it's been a really tough year bucket wise at least in my aspect from a friendship perspective but I think you know after the Olympics and now Leah's getting older and now I mean you're still going to do all the things that you do but we'll be able to maybe fill some buckets back up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been an awesome conversation. Again, thank you both so much for taking time out of your extremely busy schedules. Um, You know, and this is an hour that you could have used to to go fill your own buckets. And and instead you. This filled my bucket. Seriously, it did. Talking to friends is always a bucket filler. (laughs) Awesome. And just for the record, because I don't think I actually answered the question earlier, (laughs) looking back at like, you know, could, would I change things to have you have a nine to five job? No, because we wouldn't be having the experiences for our kids and just teaching them all the lessons that come with you being a coach. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you circling back to that, that answer too. Uh, I would have been left wondering. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but in all seriousness, I mean, just a, a moment just to say thank you both, uh, you know, again, for being on the podcast, but for everything you do, uh, I know, again, you know, John would echo these these sentiments as well. Um, you, you two are both incredible, amazing women. And, uh, you know, the things that you do, you know, for our neighborhood, our community, for our kids, it's just, it's wonderful to watch. So uh, I hope folks get, a, you know, some enjoyment out of listening to this. Um, but again, just uh, an awesome conversation. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs>